Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. The compounded burdens of obesity and food insecurity are recognized global health issues. However, the distinct factors protecting against and contributing to this nutritional health paradox in rural America are less understood. With us today to talk more about this paradox is Dr. Jackie Neinheis, who is an assistant professor at the University of Central Florida College of Medicine. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Neinheis. To start, can you talk about the COVID-19 paradox of food insecurity and obesity? And what are the roles of the nutritionist and dietitian? The registered dietitian has a key role in preventing and treating COVID-19 and in the recovery. The paradox of needing to up our immune system can, can be paired to what grocery stores report consumers are buying the most of. There's a big mismatch. Our needs during COVID-19 don't match what we're eating. Registered dietitians can help our community focus on foods that increase immunity and decrease inflammation. You know, walking through the grocery store aisle, we could see the things that were bare on the shelf, the things that weren't there. We're talking um, flour, we're talking a lot of uh, baking items, frozen pizzas. So the kinds of foods that consumers are buying were more comfort foods, which is also so important during the pandemic. But if we wanna strengthen our immune system, all those fruits and vegetables are really important for their antioxidants and their anti-inflammatory properties. But when I walked through the grocery stores in several different states, there were lots of fruits and vegetables available. Some of the healthiest fruits and vegetables that we often don't know how to prepare were the ones that were still sitting there on the shelf when um, other areas of the grocery store were completely void of product. Absolutely. As you were talking, I was also thinking of um, all of these advertisements for fast food places and order on the app and the fast food places are making it super easy for you know, accessible, um, but going back to what you said, that's not exactly the food that we should be consuming. Um, I guess my question building from that is, um, as a nutritionist, what are your tips for encouraging, you know, people to buy the fruits and vegetables and, and the healthier food? Well, you know, one of the really big problems is the double burden of food insecurity and obesity. And just imagine if that is in the same household at the same dinner table, how do you address um, when a family has that kind of situation? And, you know, the solution is really the same for both food insecurity and for obesity. And it's the produce section. So it's learning how to use those um, vegetables. And, you know, some of the tips that I have are very common sense. They're, they're very down to earth. And you say, oh, well, I can do that. Well, it's really not all that easy. And let me just give you an example. So I had a patient who was court ordered to see a dietitian. And so I talked with the mom. She was obese. Her two young boys that were like four and six were morbidly obese. And as we talked, and as she started to trust me, she tearfully told me that 
what happened in their house is that she would receive her um, check at the beginning of the month. She would get groceries. She would set them on the middle of the kitchen table. And they sat there and the kids and herself, they just ate from the bags until the food was gone. And it often didn't last till the end of the month. She said, I just don't even know how to begin to, um, you know, and for one thing, when you bring the groceries home, you take them and you put them in the cupboard. And the foods that can cause obesity, those are the ones that you would put up high and that only a caretaker or a parent can reach so that the children can't just, you know, freeload off of it. And then foods that the children can have anytime might be on the lower shelf of the refrigerator and that might be the fruits and vegetables. You know, I had another patient who came in and the child was obese and we're talking about, you know, okay, so what kind of uh, meals they have, what kind of foods and everything seemed really good. And then she said, well, he grabs raw hot dog package out of the refrigerator and as a three-year-old would proceed to eat the entire package of raw hot dogs. And the simple solution was put those hot dogs on a higher shelf, you know, so he, he can't reach them. And when we have young, young children who are obese, every single piece of food that they take, someone has to give it to them. And you know, that lasts for quite a while. And so I talk about a division of responsibility. The responsibility of the parent or the caretaker is to have nutritious, healthy foods available. But it's a responsibility of the child of what goes into their mouth. So any food that the child can reach, any food that's at their eye level should be healthy, nutritious foods. And then those occasional foods can be put up higher and can be given to them. And that advice, works well for children who are food insecure and children who are obese. So it doesn't matter whether a child is thin or heavy, we recommend that you treat the children exactly the same, both with a healthy diet and not shaming, not causing guilt, but encouraging them to eat until they're um, comfortable and stop at that point. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Can you walk us through designing a culinary nutrition session for patients who are obese and or experiencing food insecurity? Yes. If household finances don't allow for adequate food, then food insecurity is very real. And I've seen young children hoard food or candy under their bed, and they worry that they're not going to get enough to eat. Now, where they get this idea from can come from many different areas, but it can also happen in families where the child is considered just a little bit overweight and food is constantly being withheld or the child is told that they can't have a specific food because it's quote, not healthy. So both scenarios, when there's not enough money for food and when a child is not allowed to have foods for whatever reason, they can both cause food insecurity. And the interesting thing here is it can actually lead to weight problems, both as children and then later on as adults. So when we're designing a food program, I think it goes back to no food guilt, no food shaming. The child needs to learn 
how much food they can eat, in what proportions, what quantities. And as parents and caregivers, you know, we have healthy foods that are available. If they're really hungry just before the evening meal, have some carrots and celery and apple slices on a plate. And while they're helping you fix dinner, they can have some of those instead of like maybe a higher calorie food. But if they reach for a higher calorie food, it's not like we're going to slap their hands or take it away from them because we have to trust that they're going to be able to deal with the food in a good way. And we need to trust that even if we ourselves can't, sometimes as parents or caregivers, we might have a problem with chocolate. We might have a problem with fried foods. We might have a problem with overeating chips and snacks or mindless eating while we're watching TV. But we shouldn't let that overshadow parenting our children. We need to trust that even if we don't have a good control on food, that they will. And that trust starts to build a really good relationship of the child with food. So you asked how to design a culinary nutrition session. We work in teaching kitchens. And so the parent comes with the children to the teaching kitchen and we start cooking all kinds of interesting, fascinating, amazing kind of food. And we did one culinary medicine session with middle schoolers. And I had middle schoolers pronounce, this is the first healthy food I've ever liked. It was a great session. We had about 12 students and we had six medical students and we paired the medical students up with the middle school students to learn how to cook healthy foods. That's really interesting for nutritionists and other dietitians who don't have access to like a test kitchen where they can actually bring in their patients. Um, what tools and resources are available to them in more rural settings too? You know, in rural settings, I have found just even a hot plate, an air fryer, or maybe an Instapot is enough or a microwave. So any one of those items, I can set up an entire culinary medicine session just using one of them. And if I have a table and I have, uh, I've done it before where I have lots of fruits and vegetables available and the group can come up and they can make salads for themselves out of all these different greens and grains and beans and legumes that I have already cooked. So there's actually no cooking involved. It's just putting different ingredients together. So that's a possibility where there, there are no cooking facilities too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what is the key take-home message for nutritionists and dietitians today? We as dietitians, we need to really listen to understand and determine what the real issue is. In this age of information on the internet, anybody can go to the internet, they can find out a solution, find out um, you know, how to deal with something else. But you know, it's not as easy to know what the real problem is. And when you have a child maybe that is a little bit underweight or possibly a little bit overweight, you think that the problem is food. Well, taking them to a dietitian, a dietitian can help you see maybe the food 
really isn't the problem. Maybe it's how they're thinking about the food. Maybe they're feeling food insecure, so they're hoarding it. Or maybe they don't have enough time to eat. And so that's why they're a little bit underweight. So the first thing would be to really listen to your patients and consumers to determine what the real issue is. And then secondly, would be to help others to peel back the layers that are keeping them from moving forward with better health. So the obvious is, oh, it's a food problem. But actually, as we peel back the layers, we see, well, maybe it's because they're feeling a lot of guilt and they're hiding that in food. And then the third would be to strengthen our immune system and good nutrition with more than just food. It's also how we think about health. Obsessing, stressing, and guilting over food is not going to help our immune system. And so we need to let loose and say, I need to increase the variety of foods I'm eating instead of restricting and leaving out this group of foods and this group of foods and this group of foods, but be more inclusive of a lot of different foods. I do travel across the country doing culinary medicine presentations. And so if a group of dietitians wanted to learn how to do culinary medicine presentations, I would love to come and show their group or help them devise a, a culinary medicine program for others. Great. Thank you again for speaking with me and answering all my questions. I enjoyed being here and I especially appreciate that um, we're talking about food and how important it is to address both food insecurity and obesity at the same dinner table. And so often we forget that in rural areas, these issues are compounded by the uh, isolation and the distance from places to get food. And so we end up with food deserts and uh, food mirages where there is food available at convenience stores, but it might not be the healthiest kinds of food.